Happy New Year, everybody. Look at all of you. Man, partied hard last night, still in church on Sunday. You are the hardcore, obviously. Actually, we're uh, aware that there is a large number of our church that are sick today, which is great. Stay home if you're sick, because I don't want to hear, right? I believe Jesus can heal, but I'd really prefer not to ask him. <laughs> what about you? But let's... Um, well, I'm glad you're here. I'm thrilled that you're, you're spending your uh, New Year's Day with us um, because uh, we get to start the year outright with worshiping, and uh, what a great, great opportunity that is. So I want to start. Um, I want to start by making a bold statement. Are you ready for it? Here's the bold statement. Go ahead, Emily. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Now, some of you are like, I've heard this before. <laughs> And you have, right? You've heard this. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. We, we believe this. In fact, some of you may have come to faith because someone explained this to you. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your, for your life. Now, this phrase has been around for a long time. In fact, I, I think it's almost become kind of this platitude, this thing that you say that sounds good when you don't really know what else to say, right? And we just kind of, you know, God loves you. He's got a wonderful plan for your life. It may suck right now, but believe me, it's going to be all. I want to examine this a little bit today. God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. So what is it? What's the plan? And more importantly, how do you know? How do you know what the plan is? That becomes a even deeper question, I think. Um, I grew up in a church <clears throat> where uh, this phrase was not used. The first part was, God loves you. But we never talked about and has a wonderful plan for your life. I, I had no idea. In fact, it wasn't until I was much older and I was in a different kind of church where I actually heard this phrase and, and got the second half of that. But to be honest with you, you know, even well into my uh, adulthood, uh, I kept hearing about this wonderful plan for your life, but nobody actually talked about what the plan was. You know what I'm saying? And, and that can be kind of a confusing thing because, yes, God loves you. Oh, yeah, thumbs up. I'm all over that. And has a wonderful plan for your life. Yes, give it to me. Mm. And yet we don't talk about it. Now, I think there's this vague understanding that we all have that, that has something to do with change, right? Some, some change inside of me that needs to happen. I mean, we do get that just by going to, to church and hearing sermons, and the preacher's always got something to tell you that's wrong in your life and that you need to change it, and, right? I mean, that's the kind of church that I, I grew up in, and, and, and that happens. And, and, and you know, depending on, on the church that you grew up in and the experience, this may be a brand new idea for you, or it might be so familiar, it just passes right over the top of your head, right? God loves you. It has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, here at Thrive Church, we believe that Christianity is more than just going to heaven. That Christianity means that we become more like Jesus, that we actually start to think like him and we start to act like him. That becomes the point of Jesus. The result happens to be heaven. But the point of it, the whole purpose for it, is to actually become like Jesus. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be taking um, 
uh, apart that idea of becoming like Jesus and what that means for us here at Thrive Church, and we're going to take it step by step. I'm going to talk about some of the history uh, next week, and then uh, we're going to start picking apart this idea of being a disciple means you worship, that you grow, and that you serve. And uh, just so that we have a good sense of how all this fits together. So I hope you make time to be a part of that with us. Because again, we think this whole idea of Christianity, the whole point to it is intentional growth. That we become different people. That we are transformed because of what Jesus has done. Now, we get this idea from a lot of different places in the, in the, in the Bible. But probably one of my favorite scripture passages is in Hebrew chapter 6. And here it is. <clears throat> This brilliant writer makes this statement. He says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. Now, think about this for a moment. He says, let us move beyond the elementary teachings, the basics, the 101 version of Christianity. And then he tells us what they actually are. He goes through it, you know, those, uh, laying a foundation of, of, of repentance and so on and so forth. So there's these elementary teachings, but apparently there's something that goes beyond that. That's maturity, that's growth. And by the way, that's what we're after. And so we're trying to take seriously this passage in the scripture to move beyond the elementary teachings, which are good, and we should always go back to basics. Remember the classic line, gentlemen, this is a football, right? You have to go back to the basics occasionally, but the point is, is that you don't stay there, that you are continually growing and growing and growing. Does that make sense? So that's where all of this kind of comes from, that this idea of maturity means intentional growth, and this is what God really wants for us. Now, let me hit the pause button for those of you who are theologians who are thinking, well, this is just works righteousness. That's all it is. It's just works righteousness. No, it's not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying we're saved by doing good works, by maturing, by growing. I'm not saying that that's what's happening. What I'm suggesting is that growing to be like Jesus is not passive. You can't just pretend that it's going to be this magic wand that, hey, I believe in Jesus, and who, hey, I'm like him. Because I know a lot of folks who believe in Jesus, who believe that Jesus was who he says he was, believed in the, the death and resurrection, but they sure don't act like him. I don't, I don't know how else to say this, and I don't want to be crass, but a Christian jerk is still a jerk. Right? And the point is, is that we're not trying to be that way. We're, we're trying to be more like, more like Jesus not more like a, a, a Christian per se. And here's the reality. For every single person that I've ever come in contact with, Jesus is somewhere here and I'm somewhere here. And there's a gap between the two. Anybody else feel that way? There's this gap, this chasm between who Jesus is, who I am supposed to be pursuing, who I'm supposed to be like, and where I am. I don't care how old you are or how long you've spent time in church, you've got another step to take with Jesus. Right? Everybody does. We have this step that we need to take with Jesus, and that's what we want to, to take seriously as a church. <clears throat> now, this desire to grow... This desire to be different, this desire for change, is not exclusively 
Christian, human beings, I think, intuitively pursue change to a certain degree, especially at New Year's. Have you noticed? Resolutions, anyone? Every year we, we talk about this idea of resolutions because I think what happens is at New Year's we tend to reflect backwards on what has happened the year before. And we reflect, and there are some things that we want to celebrate. Let's be honest, folks. There's some things we just soon forget. And no, that's not an invitation to talk about politics. Right? <laughs> or whatever. Choose whatever the issue, hot-button issue was for you in 2016. But we, we, we pause and we think about this time of year. And, and, and I think that's a, a great thing, a great idea that we all do, is to pause and reflect, to celebrate maybe forget about a few things. But we set these resolutions, and there's a motivation, I think, behind all of this. See if any of these res- resonate with you. We almost always, and by the way, if you've got to fill in the blank, you can, you can start filling it in on the front. Um, <clears throat> here's the first motivation. We, do, uh, we want to change because we want to eliminate something negative in our lives. We want to quit smoking, or we want to lose weight or a um, variety of other things. Maybe there's a relationship that you know that you need to, you need to not be a part of anymore. And so we, we want to change because we want to eliminate something negative in our lives that we know that's holding us back or holding us down or, or, or being um, unhealthy for us in the long run. But the opposite holds true. It's not just um, eliminating something. It's also obtaining something positive. I would like to save money. I would like a new job in some cases. Some people I know are wrestling with that issue. And, and whatever the, 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 issue, the, the, the thing is for you, it's a positive thing that you're chasing after. And so sometimes those things hold true at the same time. You want to lose weight and you want to be healthy. Hey, what do you know? I've got synergy now. I'm doing two things at once, eliminating something negative and obtaining something positive. But here's the other one. And this is the one we don't talk about a whole lot. Sometimes... It's just to embark on an adventure. Sometimes we want some change just because we want an adventure in our lives. A few years ago, um, I was part of, a, part of a church up north, and uh, um, there was a family in our church that you know, we were fairly close to. They had uh, kids um, the same age as, as what we had, and, and uh, we tried doing some things with them and got along very well. And he came to me and he just said, hey, by the way, we decided we're going to go to a different church. I mean, it blindsided me. I said, why? And he said, he said, well, there's just not a whole lot of stuff for our kids. The only thing we had was children's ministry, other than what was going on, on Sunday morning. It was, a, it was a relatively small church that we had served. And, and I started thinking about it and I realized that they had their house up for sale for over a year. They couldn't sell it. He was unhappy in his job. She was unhappy with a couple of things that were going on in her personal life. So the one thing that they could change, they did. They changed their church. Embarking on some kind of adventure to feel like there's movement. We do that. That happens to each, each person at some point in our lives. And I get, I get a little concerned because sometimes I see bored people living boring lives and sometimes it leads to boring churches. That's not the kinds of things that we want. And I'm reminded of the great uh, Saturday Night Live theologian, Wayne Campbell, who said, I I thought I I had mononucleosis for over a year, and then I realized I was just really bored. (laughs) (laughs) 
But sometimes we want to embark on an adventure to kind of shake us out of that rhythm that we get into, that rut that, that happens, and it's this change that we, that we want. And, and here's the other thing. When I look at the Bible, and I read that the stories that are in there, they're not boring. They're pretty exciting. There's a lot of adventure in the journey that we see there, and I would like my life to match up with the things that I'm reading. So here's where we're going to start to bring this in for a landing and just say, look, if God wants us to grow, if you'll accept that idea, and if you'll accept the idea that God's got my best interests at heart. Now, notice I didn't say that God has your comfort or your happiness at heart. That's not what I said. He's got your best interest at heart. If you're willing to accept that God wants your growth and he's got your best interest at heart, <clears throat> then maybe, just maybe, when we talk about his love and his wonderful plan for your life, maybe we ought to check in with him on that plan. Maybe? I mean, novel concept, perhaps. Shouldn't be. Maybe what we should do is ask him what the plan is. And if he does have a plan, why on earth wouldn't we ask him about it? And so today what I want to do is I want to give you a single way of doing that. One way of doing it. There's lots of different ways. This is one um, that uh, has certainly helped me and uh, helped my wife and a lot of people that we know actually got this idea from a pastor up in Michigan, our home church back in Spring Lake, Michigan. Um, he preached this sermon, and I told him right up front, I said, I'm totally stealing that, <laughs> and I have. And I try to talk about this once a year at the beginning of every year because it's sub, such a simple way of being intentional about your discipleship, about your becoming like Jesus. And so we got a little handout that you can, you can fill out and... and uh, uh, we can just kind of walk through this. And this comes out of a passage in the New Testament. A man named Paul wrote a letter to a group of Christians in Philippi. And there's a little section in chapter 3 that I want to read to you. Here's what it says. Paul writes, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature, there's that word again, mature, should take such a view of things. Now, here's something I want you to notice. First and foremost, he talks about, but one thing I do. Not five things, not seven things, not your to-do list that continues to grow every single day, but one thing I do. There's a growing body of evidence to suggest the more focused our lives are on just one or just a couple of things, the more likely we are to achieve them. One thing I do. <clears throat> just one Keep it simple. I think too often we have too many choices. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. I used to work for a clothing store, a high-end clothing store in Holland, Michigan. And we sold things like um, uh, Polo by Ralph Lauren and Nautica and a bunch of the, the 
you know, bigger named um, fashion thing. And, and we had uh, shirts and we had this huge table of ties. In fact, it was arranged like a rainbow. And uh, the guy who owned the, the store came in and said, boys, we need to increase our tie sales. I didn't know you had to increase tie sales, but apparently you do. And he said, here's how we're going to do it. Whenever you, somebody buys, buys a shirt, we want you to take it over to the tie um, table, and we want you to pick out three ties, just three. Let them choose from three, not 300. What do you know? We started doing that. The tie sales increased. Surprise, surprise. Now, we're not talking about cheap ties either. I was really surprised. But sometimes with too many choices, we can't make the decision, and so we have to drop them down. And so that's why Paul says, but one thing that I do, not a dozen things, but one thing. And so um, what I want you to do is to focus on one thing for 2017 as it relates to your discipleship. And so I'm, I would really like for you to try to pick some type of a theme for this year. And here's how it's going to work. <clears throat> take a day and carve out about 30 to 60 minutes. Shouldn't really take you much longer than that, about 30 to 60 minutes. Try to do it without distractions because I'm going to tell you, it's really hard to focus on anything, let alone one thing, when some um, little crumb cruncher is sitting there tugging on your shirt. Mom, 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 What? Love you. <laughs> okay, or my favorite is watch me, another <laughs> kind of a thing, right? You want to try to eliminate some of those distractions, but about 30 to 60 minutes. Enlist your spouse's help to run interference with the children if you need to. And try to get off to a place where, where you, can, you can have a few moments with your, with your own thoughts by yourself. And then I want you to do, the, before you, you, you flip it over and you start looking at anything, I want you to pray very simply for God to guide you. I sense, just in my own life, I tend to complicate things. <laughs> and complication is the enemy of execution. Just keep it simple and say, God, please guide me in a theme for this year. What is it that you want to work on? What is it that you want to see me do to become more like Jesus? What's on your heart? Keep it simple. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. It can be just a simple two, three-minute prayer. It could be two, three lines. That's completely up to you and God. Maybe you got 15 other things you want to pray about. That's fine. Just don't do it right now. You've got 30 to 60 minutes. Make sure that you spend the time wisely and ask God for some guidance. And so here are the steps that you can take once you've kind of set yourself up. All right, number one on your, on your list there. The first thing you want to do is you want to select a theme. Select a theme, okay? Now, at the bottom of that page, I've given you a list of potential themes. First of all, it is not exhaustive. It is not complete. It is just a prompt for you to start looking through um, potential themes that you could have for the year. Remember, you've just asked God to, to guide you, to show you the thing that he may want you to work on that, uh, that year or this, this coming year. Look through that list. And here's what often happens, not for everybody, but for a lot of people, here's what happens. There's one particular word that'll just jump out of the page. And for some of you, it will make perfect sense as to what it is. For others, you're like, I have no idea why on earth that word is jumping out of the page. Why is it, why is it jumping out at me? But 
For the vast majority of people, <clears throat> there's always one that seems to jump out. <clears throat> now, let me just pause quickly and say sometimes it's two words. And on very rare occasion, it's three. Now, I know how this works because I've done this every year for a lot of years. When somebody gets started with this, the first thing they'll do, they'll read through the list and they'll say, oh my gosh, I've got to work on every single one of those. <laughs> and it's like, I'm a mess. <laughs> what, how, what do I do? I've got all... Look, let me just tell you right now. If you feel like this list, every word on this list is something you've got to work on, that is not from God. I'm just going to tell you that right now. That is not God speaking to you. It's probably something else speaking to you. The Holy Spirit typically highlights one, sometimes two, and on rare occasion, three words. I've been doing this probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years, and this is the first year in my life I've actually had two words. First time. It's always been one previously. One word, sometimes two, and on rare occasion, three. And like I said, it may make sense to you. It may not make, make sense to you. And sometimes it's not even just a word. It might be a phrase. Uh, don't be surprised that if, if a certain phrase comes to my mind. Maybe the word will prompt a phrase. That, that happens too. But pay attention to that. And here's what I want you to do. Once you've selected that, that phrase, write it down. Write it down. It is not real until you write it down. In fact, there's another growing body of evidence that suggests that people who write down whatever their goals are actually have a higher percentage of achieving them year after year just by the simple act of writing it down. Why? Because your brain starts working on it. It's real when you actually write it down. So you're selecting this theme. You're going to write it down. And then what I want you to do is define it. Define the word, whatever that word is. Um, if you have a, a phone, which most of you do, um, go to dictionary.com and find the de definition of the word. And then describe the word. Great, because once you're at dictionary.com, then you can go to thesaurus.com and you can find a bunch of other words that mean the same thing and write those down. And what you're trying to do is create what we technically call a semantic field. You want a bunch of words that mean roughly the same thing because somewhere in there, God is trying to teach you something. Are you with me? So don't just... You're going to focus on the one word, but you're going to understand that it, it has some implications that's a little bit bigger. There's a cloud of meaning that we're trying to get at. So select your theme, write it down, define it, describe it. Then what I want you to do is go to the scriptures and look it up. If you have a good study Bible, you can go to the back and you can look it up and you can find a bunch of different passages for it. And the other thing that I would suggest you do is ask someone else about it. How do they understand the word? If, if, you're, if you're married, ask your spouse. Just say, hey, I, this might be my theme for the year. What, what does this word mean to you? And see what they say. Very interesting. Now, if somebody asks you that, spouses, I'm looking at you. <laughs> if somebody asks you that, if your spouse asks you that question, do not or please do your best to refrain from going, oh, yeah, you really need to work on that one. Yeah, okay. They don't need that. That's not what they're asking you for. That's not affirming, okay? Tone of voice can be affirming or not affirming, okay? Even though you're like, yeah, you need to work on that one, right? <clears throat> so how do other people understand it? So that's this idea of selecting a theme. Does that make sense? 
So you're going to go to this, you're going to pick, you know, one, maybe two, on a rare occasion, three. You're going to define it, you're going to describe it, you're going to look for scripture passages for it, and you're going to talk to other people about it, right? Make sense? Easy thing to do. Here's the second thing you're going to do, second thing. Number two, build routines. So select a theme, build routines. This part um, I missed for several years. You've got to find a way to keep that word or that phrase in front of you. You take a sticky note, put it on your computer at work, put it on your dashboard in your car, put it on your nightstand, um, make it your screensaver, set an alarm on your phone. I like to take dry erase markers and write it on my bathroom mirror so that when I get out of the shower and everything's steamy, I can see it. Make it really big. You can try that one too. Try to find a way to get that phrase in front of you more than just this time of year, because here's what happens. You'll, you'll write it down, and then like in June, you'll see the word again. Oh, yeah, that was my theme for the year. Yeah. I made any progress on that one, right? So you got to try to keep it in front of you, and you have to build some routines in order to do that. And you, you probably know what those are. Um, uh, the other thing that you can really do is, is you can, um, th- that's really helpful is to journal about it. Um, if you're a journaler, I would suggest writing that down in your journal and coming back to it repeatedly. In fact, um, just this last week, <clears throat> uh, about a week and a half ago, I was in my journal and my two words cropped up and they're in my journal and I will return to them probably this next week and say, okay, I need to start defining these and describing these just so that I'm working on it myself. Uh, and again, this is new because I've never had to do two before, so I'll be interested to see how those two words might relate. Okay, So uh, select a theme, build routines. Number three, form a team. Form a team. Because joy multiplies when you include other people. Your joy, your learning is going to multiply if you include other people. Find people who will just encourage you in this. Right? Not the sarcastic ones who are like, oh, yeah, you're so totally going to. No, that's not what you want. You want people who are just natural encouragers who, who will, will tell you, you can do it. And if that's the thing that God wants for you in your life, you can do it because, you know, they'll give you a scripture passage. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Right? You know, you know those kind of folks. And we, we tend to gravitate towards them because they're, they're positive. Find people who exhibit the quality that you're after, too. And just say, hey, you know what? I think this is my theme for the year. And you seem to have this. Um, could I just ask you a couple questions? You know, find somebody along those lines that you can talk to about whatever this thing is that you have. Um, and it doesn't have to be awkward or strange or weird. You can just be flat out. I'm trying to follow Jesus. You seem to have this part figured out. I would love for you to just kind of mentor me a little bit in this. <clears throat> um, and if you can, find somebody who will check in with you. Hey, I know your theme was fill in the blank. And, uh, you know, it's been a couple of weeks. How's it going? I would be happy to do that for you. I've been preaching the same message for, I don't know, 10 plus years. I have yet to have somebody actually take me up on it. So double dog dare you. Okay, I'd be happy to check in with you on that one periodically, whatever it happens to be. Um, but you got to do the work to figure it out because it's not my job to figure it out. It's my job just to encourage you. Okay? You may want to find somebody who can pray for you about this, but let me, let me put a, little, uh, let me put a little, little advice when you ask somebody to pray for you. Um, very often, uh, we ask people to pray, and like, ah, uh, yeah, I can do that because they feel bad when they don't, and so they hesitate to do that. So here's how you get around that. 
tell somebody, here's my theme for the year, would you mind praying for me just once in this next week? Give them a way out. Not, not a way out not to do it, but don't set the expectation that you will never be able to leave this prayer. Okay? Because sometimes it feels that way. Uh, Lisa and I, we have a friend. Her name is Heather. She's super awesome. And we, we call her because she's, she's like, she's like our, our prayer warrior friend who she will pray for something. It'll be like a year later, and we forgot to tell her that God's already answered the prayer, and she's still praying for us. I mean, that's just kind of the person that Heather is. But she's unique. There are not a lot of people like that out there. That's her thing. That's her giftedness. And we love when she leverages that on our behalf. We really appreciate her for doing that. Not everybody is wired that way. And so if you find somebody that you're talking to about this and say, hey, just this next week, would you mind praying for me once? It. I would really appreciate that. And then leave it alone and trust God to take care of that one. Does that make sense? So let allow people to be who they are when it comes to prayer, but do ask them to pray for you, okay? Um, keep that in mind. <clears throat> keep that in mind. So select a theme, build routines. Number three, form a team. And here's the final one. Watch the time. Well, let me see if I can explain this a little bit. There's two areas that you want to pay attention to the time. First of all, in the selection process. Most of the time, one of these words will jump off the page, but not always. For whatever reason, God's working in you, and you've got to put a little more time and energy into it. So maybe 30 to 60, uh, 30 to 60 minutes isn't enough one time. Um, maybe you're reading through this, and there's a couple of words that are kind of like, well, that might be it, might not be it. That's okay. Just return to it at some point. Does that make sense? So don't feel like, oh, I didn't get it in the first 30 minutes. God doesn't love me. No, that's not it. Because God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, right? And we're going to trust that that's actually true. And so if you're not getting the word right away, that's okay. Um, and maybe in the course of the conversation that you have with your spouse or with someone else, you can just say, hey, you know what? I'm having a hard time coming up with with a theme. There have been many times where my theme was made obvious to me by my spouse. Sometimes the voice of God sounds a lot like Lisa. <laughs> Just saying, <laughs> okay? And uh, that may be helpful for you as you need somebody to come along and affirm something that you already know, but as you're talking to him about it. Um, and by the way, if you really want to have one of these words jump out at you, you kind of have to be connected to God. You gotta be praying. You gotta be in your scriptures, okay? It's not something that just will magically happen. It needs to happen out of the relationship that you have with him. The other place that you need to watch the time is in your growth. <clears throat> because some themes will last only a few months. And other themes will last a couple of years. I had the same theme for three years. Because apparently I'm just slow, <laughs> right? No, that wasn't it, is that God was revealing new things to me about that. In fact, I had this one, uh, um, one of the themes was healing, and it lasted three years. Now, I had other themes that kind of crept in and out of there, but every year, I'm like, I still feel like healing is the one that I'm, I'm after. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't. Now, it wasn't that I was miraculously healed from something. That wasn't the issue. It was, it was very clear that God was done with that. So sometimes it's a few months, sometimes it's a couple of years, and that's okay. 
because the point is, is that we're following God, we're pursuing Him, and it's going to take as much time as it, as it takes us, and that's all right. And very often, these things will overlap one another. You may have one that's kind of fading out, and you've got a new one that's coming in, and that, that happens as well. So the point is that you need to be open to how God is moving. Now, let me give you just three very brief cautions, and you may, you may want to write, write this down. Um, <clears throat> three, three cautions to give you in this process. First of all, sometimes the theme that you select or that, that God kind of gives you um, really isn't something that he, he's trying to build into your life. Sometimes it's just something that God wants you to know about him. Right? That God is, you know, maybe, maybe your word is provide. Well, maybe God's issue is showing you how he's the provider. It may not be something how you need to be providing better for your family. Whatever it is, you know, I'll leave God up to that. But don't be surprised if it's God saying, I want you to understand this about me. That's going to grow our relationship. Okay, so keep that in mind. Very often, it is a characteristic or quality that God wants to build in your life, but not always, okay? Number two, uh, the other caution that I would give you is that if you, if you read this list and you feel somehow unworthy, like why even bother do this? That's not from God. It's one thing to be overwhelmed by the sheer volume of things that are on here. That's not from God either. But if you're feeling condemned or unworthy to be able to even pursue these, that's a lie from the pit, and you need to not listen to that. Because remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. If you actually believe that, then you're worthy. You deserve this type of love. So keep that in, in mind, is that if you're feeling unworthy or condemned in some ways, that is not from God. In fact, I will, I will say this. Every time in my life, every single time, where I've known that it was God doing the thing that only God can do. It was never this kind of, David, wagging my finger. It's never that way. It was always, I always have felt like God's kind of put his arm around Sydney. Huh, man, I've got something so much better for you. And, and I'm thankful for that because I need that. That's glad that God knows me well enough to communicate me into, in a way that I, under, I understand. Here's the last one. Here's the last one, <clears throat> last caution. If you've tried this activity before or something like it and nothing happened, can I just encourage you to try again? Commit and trust God and connect to him regularly. Um, what's the phrase? Don't quit quitting, right? <laughs> Don't give up on this, continue on in the path, because I really think that sometimes the grind that we go through that we don't like is exactly where God wants us to be. So if you feel like you've gone through this before and it's not really done anything for you, try again. Try again. Now, look, maybe, maybe this, this concept of uh, being intentional about your discipleship in this way is new to you. That, 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 or, or maybe it's different, or frankly, maybe it's just silly to you. Maybe you're just going, okay, okay, fine. If it's silly or if it's different or it's new, fine. Okay, but 
how are you going to learn what the plan is? I, I, I don't know how to be more adamant about that. How are you going to be different on December 31st, 2017 than you are today? How are you going to do it? So as silly as you might think it is or how different it is or how new and how uncomfortable it might make you, my question is still the same. Okay, fine. Don't do this, but do something to move you closer to Jesus in this year. Don't miss the opportunity.